Well, hello, Westwood family. It's great to be with you all today. Uh, my name is Ben, Pastor Ben Griffin, and we are continuing our series, working through the book of Colossians. And so what I want to do is a little bit of review of some of the things that Pastor Joel has talked about with us, and then we're going to dive into the next section here. So after the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how we come alive, and, and Pastor Joel's talked about how we come alive when we know who Jesus is. We come alive when Jesus is alive in us. And he introduced us to all these great terms. In fact, I, I got a whole list of them. Like our word for this, this year is posture. Uh, living in a Christ-like posture. Uh, he gave us this word, thanks living. Anybody else like that word? That one stuck with me, thanks living. I want to come back to that again and again. And then he gave us this, uh, this kind of a word, all us we, you know, where we're, we're all in this together. And I, always, I just keep thinking that would be a great name for a Minnesota lake, wouldn't it? All, lake all us we, yep. So some really interesting insight that we've got over the last couple weeks. And this week, we're going to continue in the book of Colossians. And kind of old school, I'm going to pull out the Bible and just read the section to you before we walk through in more depth. And because I'm reading out of my personal Bible, uh, I'm going to read a New Living Translation here. And then we're going to have NIV that comes up through the message. So if you would, let's just dive into this word. Hear the word of the, the Lord today. Paul says this. In Colossians 1, verse 24 and following, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. Just that starting point is pretty amazing. Who says they're glad when, they're suffer, when they suffer? He's suffering for them, for us, with purpose. He says, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, which is us, the church, and those he's writing to. He says, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. Just a little bit of a side there. Uh, the Greek word uh, pulls out of it when he says the responsibility. It, it's like, it's like the it, responsible for the household. It's a family term. So I, when I read this, I, I think about, uh, and not everybody's had this experience, but if you've been a parent with a newborn baby and you're just holding that baby, have, have you ever just had that experience of like, I, I've had a few of those moments with my kids where I'm like, and I'm the one who's supposed to teach you how to like, so what, you're going to learn to speak from me? Like, you're, I have, you, your survival is dependent on what? Like, I just remember, like, the, the weight of that. And that's what Paul's talking about. He feels the weight of responsibility for us and for those reading here, that they would grow into maturity. Verse 26, this message was kept secret for centuries. And that's the heart of today's message is I come alive when I know the secret, when I have a secret to share. The secret has been held uh, secret for centuries, but now it is being revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. He's telling us that the good news of Jesus is for us. And this is the secret. You ready? Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing in his glory. Now, I know we're around church, so we, we just like to golf clap for things, but there's a part, like when you hear that Christ lives in us, assurance of his glory, there's something that should move in us if we get it. Uh, verse 28, it says, so, so we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work, Paul says, and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Chapter 2, verse 1, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you in the church at Laodicea. 
and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I am telling you this, so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. This is the word of the Lord. Some of you are wanting to go, thanks be to God, right? Isn't that funny? (laughs) Depending on the tradition we came out of. So that's the word. That's what we're going to dive into today. And we're going to talk about this secret revealed. And isn't it fascinating that in our culture today, everybody has the secret for us. Everybody's trying to sell us the secret for uh, fulfillment, satisfaction, uh, life, and all to its fullest, right? If you just buy this car, uh, have this product, achieve this thing, read this book, you'll get the secret. And we're all like, I want that secret, right? Interestingly enough, all of those promises, do they actually yield fulfillment? They don't. I have a friend who's a chaplain for a professional sports team. And he said the number one issue that he deals with, with the, with the guys on that team, is disillusionment. Because they have spent their entire lives reaching the major leagues, the pinnacle of their sport, their craft. They've made it and it didn't magically fix everything in their life. If anything, it magnified issues in their life. And and walking through that. Uh, Tom Brady, some of you may have heard of him. He's won more Super Bowls personally than most franchises in the NFL have on their own, including the Vikings. (laughs) But he said this after his third or fourth Super Bowl win. He said, there has got to be more than this. Right? There's got to be more than this. And have you experienced that? Were you, that relationship achieved, that accomplishment, that that thing you have, that status, and then you go, is that all there is to this? Jim Carrey, uh, there's a quote from him that said, I wish everybody would get rich and famous and everything their heart desires so that they would all realize that's not the answer. It's not the answer. So what is? Paul tells us he's got the secret revealed it's the secret that we need to where fulfillment and all these things come from. And, and it's, let's be clear, it's the Sunday school answer, right? We've all heard it. We all know it, but I'm not sure how much we live in it. So, so since we all know what it is, the Sunday school answer, let's just say it on the count of three. The key, the secret is one, two, three, chocolate. Oh, yes, Jesus. Yep, you're right. You're right. Sorry about that. It's Jesus. Yes. You're right, I'm wrong. It is Jesus is the answer. And let's look at what Paul has to say in Colossians chapter two, using the NIV now here. He says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wow. I, I know that we're just used to kind of reading scripture and like, okay, uh, move on with our day. But my goodness, did you hear what was just said? The fullness of wisdom, treasures of wisdom, and knowledge to be found in Jesus. If you're searching for insight, Jesus is the answer. If you're searching for healing and direction and hope, Jesus is the answer. And I know, I know we say that, but have you experienced 
experience that. See, there's this thing about humanity that we get so familiar with amazing things that they lose their luster for us, right? There's a wow to the gospel we just talked about, but somehow we, we lose the wow. Uh, j- just as a side example of how we do this in society, I would guess most people in here, grade school and up, have a smartphone, correct? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hand, but yes, I guess most of us do. Um, my, my son, when he was in the fifth grade, we had this debate, should he get a phone or not? Maybe some of you are in that place. He did a whole report in the fifth grade. He said fifth graders should not have phones, but sixth graders should. He's a smart kid. He's a smart kid. And you know, so a lot of us have those. But I remember the days before those smartphones. I remember the days where you had to find your way places by people giving you directions. Oh my goodness, it was so archaic. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Like, and, and some of you still, some of you know somebody who still does this because it's just built into them. You can say, I have the address, I'll see you there. And they're like, no, 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 no. At the blue house, you turn left and then they'll see a tree. And that tree will signal that you want to go right after 300 yards. You know who I'm talking about. We all know those people. Because back in the day, everybody, we spent half of our lives just writing down directions for other people to follow. And then when we were driving places, we just had that piece of paper with us. It wasn't safe, but it was our only way to get there. That's the world that we lived in. And now, you just plug in an address and boom, it just shows you the way there. And we trust it. And it gets us there, and, we ju- and, and we're so used to it, we're not even wowed by it. Like later today, when you type in an address, or even sometimes just to go home, and it shows you the way with the traffic, and the better way maybe, and you're speeding down the road, on your, just think, wow! Those people 20, 30 years ago, man, they were missing out. This is amazing! Because it is. And we get so used to amazing things. And, and frankly, the gospel is so much more amazing. And we get so used to hearing it and talking about it and using Christianese around it that, that I don't think the meaning has fully, like, man, has it sunk into you? Has it hit you? So, so here's a phrase that I want to build off of for, for how we can think about the gospel taking root in us. And go ahead. Oh, yep, thank you. You're in the right place. I'm in the wrong place. Before I get to that phrase, we know the mechanics of the gospel, uh, but we're so familiar with them. What are the mechanics of the gospel? Jesus came. He died on the cross, paid a penalty for our sins. Hear the Christianese in there? Like, how does that translate? He rose from the dead, conquering sin, death, and the devil. That's kind of a big deal. He ascended into heaven and he's coming back. And in the passage we just read, it said, and we will share in his glory. Isn't, I mean, whoa. If we really just begin to get that, there should be like, we, we should be like, wow. Maybe a little bit of a golf clap for that, right? Good, good job. Good golf clap. We're so good at the golf clap in church. Yes. Amazing. He's coming back. All of, we know the mechanics, but as it sunk into you, and I think what it does, uh, this, is, this is how it does. And go ahead and we can go to that phrase now, the next slide, is let's remember what we've been saved from and what we've been saved for. So my, my girl, my, my daughter, she's in college now, but when she was a baby girl, uh, we were visiting a friend and uh, they had a, one of those little pools, pools in Texas. Every house has that little pool in the backyard where you kind of sit around. So I was sitting on the edge of the pool with my feet in the water. And my daughter, just a little toddler, was just kind of bobbing 
bobbing and on the side and hanging on, standing on a little step. And, man, I remember as clear as I was there right now, looking down at my daughter, having been in a conversation, and not seeing her above the water, but seeing her standing on the bottom of the pool, looking up at me. Oh, my goodness. My daughter, actually, even now, she, she distinctly remembers this moment as well. Like, just helplessly underwater, looking up, like, like just what will happen? And I, in that moment, that moment, like, is just expanded in my memory so much longer. I was frozen. Like, I, I, I picture it, and I feel paralyzed, like, realizing what's happening, like, knowing something needs to happen. And in that moment of my paralyzed frozenness, my friend Scott dove into the water, pulled her out, got, got the water out of her lungs, and thank God my baby girl's okay. But I'll tell you what, the rest of that day, I just held her. Like, that's all, like, my baby, like, she was saved from something terrible. And I think some of us, the gospel doesn't hit our hearts because we don't realize what we've been saved from. Like we, it, so, there are those among us who have seen the darkness and maybe that's some of the testimonies today in baptism. What a beautiful moment. Like I've seen the darkness. Now I've seen the light so much better. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, the gospel means something so much more. But some of us are so familiar with it, we're missing the weight of it. I have, I have a friend who years ago, he had a near-death experience, but instead of glimpsing heaven, he glimpsed hell. And he woke up in a hospital bed after that experience, terrified, feeling the full weight of absence of God's presence and the weight of all of that. And, and he reached over and he pulled the Bible off the shelf and he opened it up and it said, be of sober mind. He, is a man, he, he, is, he was there because of a drug addiction and issues that were going on. And he, from that moment on, his whole life changed. I actually, he passed away a couple years ago. I did a, his funeral and it was so powerful to say, you know, he glimpsed hell, but he's with Jesus today. Do you know what you're saved from? So I spoke a version of this message on Thursday to a smaller group. And afterwards, we always kind of sit down and talk about it. And in that room, Pastor Joel asked us a really powerful question. He just one by one looked at each one of us. And so if I could just look right at you and ask the same question, what does the gospel mean to you? I mean that, oh, think on that for a second. What does the gospel mean to you? How that hits is probably hitting somewhere on what you realize you've been saved from. All of us in humanity need saving, but man, personalize that. What does the gospel mean to you? Man, that, that shifts something in us, and, and it should. It changes us. And so, so now let, let's continue uh, diving in, because we're talking about what the gospel saves us from, but also what it saves us for. So let's continue, or go back again to Colossians 2. So my goal, he said, is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. Like we're, we're saved for a purpose. Like there's something to that. Like there's life and joy and depth to be experienced by walking with Jesus. And, and not to get too deep in here, but encouraged in heart, that comes from this word parakaleo, which means to walk alongside of. It means a closeness and a proximity uh, to see the best and the worst in each other. That's why it's sometimes translated to warn one another and to encourage one another. So, so with the gospel of Jesus comes a closeness and also to be united in love. Um, 
y'all may not know this, or different degrees you do, but in Ethiopia right now, there is a war going on, a cultural war and a tribal war. And I had the privilege of, of sitting down once for a time of prayer with Ethiopian pastors who represented their, their cultural backgrounds were all these different factions in Ethiopia that are literally killing each other over there. And, and that, that doesn't mean it's easy relationally here. They may not be at war, but they don't always get along. And as we sat in that room and prayed, I've never felt such unity. And by the way, the prayer there was profound. Like we, we just, we kind of sat there for a couple minutes and then somebody goes, hey, this is what we're going to pray about. We're going to pray about seeing each other the way Jesus sees us and unity and love for our country. And then I'm like, okay, we're, you know, typical uh, uh, prayer room I've been in. We just, we all start bow our heads and pray. No, like people were like on the ground kneeling. 45 minutes later, somebody goes, and now let's pray about this. I mean, in, in my American mind, I'm like, how long is this list? Right? <laughs> I mean, have you been in a prayer room where time is irrelevant because we are just focused on the Lord and the unity there was profound? There's something about a depth in the walk with Jesus that changes things in us. So let me take a little interlude and, 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 just, and just say this. I hope that as I'm talking right now, you're wanting to lean in a little bit. Maybe, maybe you're just saying, I, I want to know Jesus that way. I want to know that fulfillment. I want to know that secret. I want to experience that for, in my life. I don't want to just go through the mechanics and the motions. Or maybe you're in here and you're hearing that and, and maybe you're a skeptic. Maybe you've got questions. Maybe you've been around here for decades, but you've got questions. Is this the real deal? I hope that you're leaning in. Because listen, my road to faith was through, was through the road of skepticism. I hit a point in my life where, I, where I, I, I came to this conclusion. Either God doesn't exist and then doesn't, doesn't demand another ounce of my time or thought. Or he's real and his word is true. And then he demands everything of me. And I started to dig and ask archaeologically, scientifically, historically. Like I, I sought out spiritually. Like, like, is this the real deal? And the answers were profound and overwhelming and an experience with the living Jesus changed me. It deeper. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Hopefully most of you know what I'm talking about. But I'll tell you, it was a little harder when I watched my son go through that skeptical season. In high school, my oldest said, you know, I don't know if I believe this. He's very scientifically minded. And he's like, I, I don't know if I'm there. And I just remember having this conversation with him and saying, son, like it's okay to question. God can handle your questions. He's God. We're not afraid of that. He's not afraid of that. Ask them. But the one thing I asked him is just please don't be apathetic. Don't, don't just drift away. Ask the hard questions. And, and by God's grace, he did. And he is a strong follower of Jesus on a college campus today. And I'm so thankful for that. But listen, Paul, the author of the scripture that, that we went through, uh, that we're going through, he was the skeptic skeptic. He was literally persecuting followers of Jesus to the point of hunting them down so they could be murdered. And when he had an encounter with the living Jesus, everything changed. To the point that we hear him say things like this. Go to the next, next one if you would. Now I rejoice in suffering for you and fill up my flesh in what is still lacking in regard to Christ. He is rejoicing in the pain of his suffering. He's given up more worldly fame and 
accolades than most of us will ever experience because of Jesus and he rejoices in it. And let's continue reading the next, next section. He says, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. He, Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend. He's, he's strenuously contend is like, is like Olympic athlete. I train, I work towards this with all the energy Christ so powerly powerfully works in me and what is he working towards so we've been we've been saved from but we've also been saved for and this is what Paul is contending he's we are saved for a mature a fully mature be a fully mature follower of Jesus he wants us to go deeper he wants us to be fully mature now that takes time and experience in fact the word used in Greek here for knowing is a word that means experience, experienced knowledge. Knowledge comes through experience. So uh, I was talking uh, this week uh, with a friend named Trent, and we were talking about how baptism and marriage are kind of similar in this regard. Both of them are the beginning of something profound, but we got to be careful that we don't think that that's the pinnacle itself. Right, the wedding and baptism versus marriage and a life with Jesus. Right, like one time I had the experience of a baptism wedding, kind of, kind of all mixed up in one. I had, I, uh, I had a guy who was growing in his walk with the Lord, and he goes, "I want to be baptized," and he was about to get married, and he goes, "This is perfect. I'm getting married on the Mississippi River at a golf course. Like, let's do the baptism and then the wedding, and that same day will be both of these celebratory experiences." So I'm like, "This is really cool." So I showed, up in the, I showed up at the golf course uh, wearing kind of like, the, you know, the, the suit and tie uh, up here and then the bathing suit uh, on, uh, down below because I'm like, hey, this is great. We're, we talked about this. We're going to do this baptism. And I walk in there and there's the whole bridal party. And guess who's the only one wearing swimming trunks? Yeah, yeah. I'm the pastor in trunks. And then he comes up to me and I kid you not, he, he quietly tells me, I, I decided not to do it today. Sorry, I didn't tell you. <laughs> yep. So forever, I'm the pastor that showed up with the red swimming trunks. But you know what happened a couple weeks later? Or not a couple months later. His, uh, his new bride and he, they were having some very significant troubles. And I did baptize him at that point. And I also baptized his wife at the same time. It's one of the most powerful baptisms I've been a part of where they were repenting before God and to each other and then were baptized. A moment of fresh new start in their spiritual walk but also in their marital relationship. Now listen, I, I remember my wedding day. I loved my wedding day. It was so fun. My, my smile hurt at the end of my wedding day. Anybody else have it? Like, you know you had a good day when the next day you're like, that's a muscle I didn't know I had in my face. But I'll tell you this. I have a deeper love for my wife today than I ever even knew was possible when we got married. Why? Because we have walked together in life's experiences and those experiences have melded us together and I love her in a depth that, it, that I could not even fathom at the day of the wedding. 
And similarly, Paul wants us in our walk with Jesus to experience the fullness of him and the depth. There's more, like the deeper you go in those waters, the more you find them to be. And I'm telling you, that is the road to life eternally and the full life today, regardless of circumstances, walking with Jesus. And I know in your heart, you're just thinking, I'm going to golf clap for that. Yes. Like, come on. There's something so profound about that. It's all right. I'm not telling you to golf clap now. I'm just saying in your heart, in your heart, (laughs) golf clap for Jesus. So that that he wants us to know the fullness of Jesus. And and that's not something, by the way, I can just give you. You you can't secondhand get that through my experience. That's your experience. Similarly, if you've never been to the Grand Canyon, I could tell you all day about the Grand Canyon. What it looks like, what it's like to stand on the edge, uh, like how deep it is. You can know all sorts of facts about the Grand Canyon. But it is different when you're standing on the edge of it yourself versus hearing it through somebody else's experience. Amen to that? So I want you to know Jesus, not through me, not through those around you, but know him because you're walking with him. That's the road to maturity and that is the secret to life grown. So here's here's the second thing to pull out of this passage. So Paul says this, Jesus is the one we proclaim, witness, give witness to, talk about. Like he's saying, notice he says, we proclaim. He, He didn't say, Jesus is the one that pastors talk about. He didn't say Jesus is the one that, that evangelists and missionaries talked about. He said, no, followers of Jesus, we talk about him. This, like the, the word for evangelism, it literally translates, it's like just telling people the good news. Hey, I've got some good news to share. Like it, it, it boggles my mind how little we're doing that in America today. And I know that. Statistically, I know that. Less than 10% of churches are growing. Less than 1% of churches are growing because of new believers joining the church. What does that say? We're not talking about him. Y'all, have you seen the Grinch movie, the the Jim Carrey one? Two Jim Carrey references today. The Jim Carrey movie where... where, uh, where he's, he's like, the Grinch is like plotting and he's like, what will I do today? Uh, solve the problems of world war. Like, I will, I will find world peace and tell no one. <laughs> it kind of feels like that in the church. Like, we love, we worship, all hands in the air for you, Lord. And then we go out in the rest of the world and we're like, zip, tell no one. And so at this point in the message, my original plan was to start getting like, hey, let's get really practical and, and here are ways to share your faith. And, and I think that can be helpful. But, but truthfully, we, know how, we all know how to talk about the things that we love. It's who we are. So what I want to do instead of like these practical things is I just want to kind of capture, ask your heart to be captured by Jesus and then to share that with others. And I'm going to do that through the use of this phrase. To live your faith and share your life. This, this, I think, is the key to actually talking about Jesus in the good news of Jesus. Is to live your faith and share your life. Usually we say what? Share your faith, share your faith, and live your life. But this, there's something deeper about this, isn't there? Like, let me break it down this way. You can listen to all the sermons you want but I think there's a deeper way to know Jesus. I'm not saying sermons are bad, but I think studying has been our route to depth 
when there's another way to go deeper that we're, we're overlooking. So we say, hey, join a Bible study. Come to my church. Those are great invitations, by the way. Please don't stop doing that. But I'd like to encourage you to do another invitation first into your own life. Think about this. What are the, and I'm this audience participation, so if you're, if you're zoning out, come back. What, if, if I were to ask you to list out the five most impactful sermons you've ever heard, the ones that have just hit you to the heart, like could you think about that and name out the, the five? If you're struggling, just say today. All right, got one. <laughs> got that. Five most impactful. Now, I'm not going to give you time to think through it all, but I'm going to ask you this question, a similar one. Can you list for me the five most impactful people in your life? Now, again, I'm not going to give you an adequate enough time to fully think that through, but I'm going to ask you this. Which one was easier? The people one. Isn't that interesting? Like, we, we, it is great to learn and study, but listen, people don't remember sermons. They remember sentences. It's just like you don't remember every meal you ate last week, but you got, you got nutrition out of it. But you know what really impacts us? Other people investing in us, seeing us. So, so listen, there's people that have poured into you. Share your life is simply pouring into others, opening your doors. Live your faith and share your life. Now, some of you are like, listen, you don't know my life. I, I, like, I can't share my life with people. They'll see, like, is that really a witness for Jesus? Listen, your witness for Jesus is not how good or great or put together you are. It's how great he is and how much you depend on his grace in spite of you. So, he, so hear this. Uh, over the years, we've had a number of people live in our house. One of them I remember was this young woman who, whose marriage was just falling apart. There was an unsafe situation. So she moved into our house for, for a couple of months. And, and y'all, if you've got somebody in your house for a couple weeks, you know you can do your best, keep everything looking good. And on the, on the t- for about two weeks, you can do that. After two weeks, you're like, listen, I give up. This is how we really live. <laughs> right? That's what happens. And mu- over, over months, man, she saw us at our worst and our best. She saw our kids at our worst and our best. We shared life. We saw her at her worst and her best. And how we leaned on Jesus in the midst of all of that. Share your life. Live your faith. As you're experiencing more of Jesus, just invite others along for the journey. And that's, that gets to the heart of it. So now uh, I'm going to close it all up today with the last verse, which is um, of this section, uh, verses four and five. I tell you this, Paul says, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is in Christ. So here's what he's saying. The more that you get to know Jesus and the truth of who Jesus is, the less you will be caught up in the lies and deceptions of the world around us. Like, just think about this. The more you know the truth, the easier it is to, true, to tell what's not true. So I've been getting messages from the USPS the last couple of weeks. Maybe some of you are too. They're texting me that I have a package that's lost. And if I would just follow the link, I could get that package. And I think to myself, I do have a package on the way. But then I look and the sender is USPS at hotmail.something. And I just think to myself, I know USPS does not use Hotmail. If anything, it's AOL, for sure. 
for sure, not Hotmail. But I know the truth. Because I know the truth, I can discern what's right and what's not. Paul says as you grow in maturity, experiencing the real and living Jesus, not only do you have more life, but you will stay away from those things that look good but are actually death to your soul and your heart. To know the truth. So listen, my friends, my prayer is that you would would know what you're saved from and experience what you're saved for, the full life of living with Jesus. I pray that you would grow into full maturity by walking with him and that you would go and share that with others and start by just opening up your own life. So from and for, grow and go, and I want to close with a very practical thought because this is the kind of message that kind of yields to a call to action. But when you feel like a call to action to proclaim Jesus, like it, in, in our Christianese world, we're always like, go reach your neighbors with the gospel. And then we're like, I don't know how to do that. So let me start with this very, very practical. If we just take and replace the word reach with the word Jesus gave us of love, I think it changes everything. If I were to just say to you, hey, is there somebody in your circles who you could love the way Jesus loves you? And in so doing, share with them, proclaim with them that beautiful mystery, the secret of Jesus. I bet you we all have somebody. And I challenge you, call to action to open the door and start walking with them as you walk deeper with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Golf clap for that. Jesus, we honor you. We praise you. We give glory to you. And that was a great non-golf clap. Way to go, everybody. Lord, we do. We just, may we, like Paul, be so enamored with your good news that, it, that Lord, we would be caught up in it, see the fullness of it, that it would be everything to us. And Lord, in you, may we find the fullness of life. And would we be people who share that with others. In your name and for your glory alone.